some people don't like that. They think that they're supposed to be able to be a 300 pound monster bodybuilder and still feel great all the time and still like, like this constant, and I know everyone, some people have legitimate grievances, so I'm not talking about you, but this sort of weird thing where everyone complains about their digestion constantly. Hmm. Like, what do you think is supposed to happen? Eat six, seven meals a day of like veggies and rice and steak. Like, yeah, just tolerate it. It's just another 15 years straight. You'll be fine. Well, we could just say, listen, this episode is coming out while we weren't able to record and we're not going to really promise you much. So we're going to keep the bar real low. If you enjoy it, then that's just he was in charge of this episode. This is is all going on the intro, Scott. Okay, good. Okay. Oh, good. Hey, everybody. Welcome to It's Just Bodybuilding. Myself, Big Round Partlow, and I'm here with Dusty Hanshaw and the producer, Scott McNally. Remember to like, share, subscribe, comment, and... Ring the bell. Right. And remember, IamMute.com, supporting the show, so we support them. 20% off with Dusty20 and 20% off with Big Ron20. IamMutant.com, get your ISO surge, get your all in, and everyone, get on the gear. How's it going, Scott? Do we have a lead topic here? Nope. I know this is a very questionable episode. No, we got a bunch of stuff. We do. And there's very little organization. We do have our rough organization. We've got our questions. Dusty's got some cool topics. And we have some over-unders that Dusty's prepared at the end. Excellent. Oh, and we do have a good, like, real um, uplifting ending question. Uh, But we don't have something that's like a big grabber. So we're going to do our best with this. This is what we're going to call between us. We won't tell the people. We're just going to call this a filler episode for when you go away on vacation. Okay. We don't want them to know. We don't want them to know. But we won't tell them. No, I'm I'm away. You're going to sit on this for a couple weeks, and then you're going to release it while you're not even around. Exactly. But we won't tell them. And they're just going to think, oh, we got a new episode. Yeah. And then they're going to wonder. That that episode was a little vacuous. Yeah. It wasn't the best. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like a lot of forward movement. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of mumbling. This is, a plot de- this is a plot development episode, you know, a character <laughs> yeah, development yeah, episode. Yeah, it's one of those setups, right? <laughs> yeah, it's one of those episodes. I get it. Yeah, I get it. That's awesome. Okay. Okay. So Dusty, <clears throat> Dusty had topics, yeah. so he did have a yeah, few good Dusty, ones. Dusty had some stuff. Yes. So look at I feel like I'm the organized one. This is weird. Um, we didn't even screen <laughs> these. Yeah, this, yeah, I mean, I'm just going with it. So here. It's live. What's your Basically favorite port? No, wait, never mind. Um <laughs> <laughs> What's the most common missing ingredient oh, yeah. of a athlete looking to get bigger? That's a good one. Uh, how would I word this? The Bluntly. ability to tolerate being very uncomfortable in a lot of different ways for a long period of time. Hmm. Some people awesome. can't. Some people can't, don't like that. They think that they're supposed to be able to be a three hundred pound monster bodybuilder and still feel great all the time and still like like this constant and i know everyone some people have legitimate grievances so i'm not talking about you but this sort of weird thing where everyone complains about their digestion constantly Hmm. like what do you think is supposed to happen eat six seven meals a day of like veggies (laughs) and rice and steak like yeah just tolerate it 
It's just another 15 years straight. You'll be fine. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> you know, I don't know what's wrong. My belly has, I had a little bit of distension today. Bloating, You're 275 pounds. <laughs> you had two cups of oatmeal with egg whites and a banana and a scoop of protein for breakfast and you drank a liter of water. Yeah, your belly's sticking out. Yeah. Welcome to the probably next decade of your life. It's probably just the Splenda. Um, yeah, it must be the sweetener. Oh, I think the sweetener's bloating me. <sighs> I'm just happy that I've set Rod off and we're one minute into the show. Oh, yeah, he's good. Get he's used to it. Great. You know what's funny, Ron, is uh, the other day we went out to eat and I ordered one of those tomahawk steaks with all the sides and everything. And... Uh, I get to where I'm satisfied and I immediately call the waiter and I'm like, take this. And he takes it away. And I was like, I spent 15 years of my life uncomfortable. I don't do that anymore. So literally the moment I'm satisfied, not even full yeah. satisfied, yeah. I remove food from being in front of me because I will keep eating and then I'll be uncomfortable. And I don't want to feel that anymore. You described that like a week or two ago. And I was like, Oh, I don't want to know what Ron felt. I haven't felt that literally in years. Yeah, yeah. So that's like the greatest part of being done is I'm like, I don't know how much I ate, but I know I was satisfied and I don't want any more. Get it away from me. I, yeah. I did something. Uh, we, we were eating out with a bunch of people, that, uh, you know, and uh, I, I got to that point. And I just so happened there were like five fries left on my plate. <laughs> and I thought to myself, well, do I eat the fries? Because I paid for them. And I was like, you know what? I I just realized that I felt really full. So I'm going to be the mature adult and I'm going to leave those fries on the plate just as like a statement to myself, right? And then, of course, someone at the table goes, aren't you going to eat those? And I go, no, only fat people finish their fries. <laughs> I'm lean. I'm ripped. I don't finish. We my don't fries. finish those. <laughs> we leave a few on the plate. This is a statement to the rest of the world. Yeah. Yeah. I don't need that. How about this one? That. How about this one? I, I feel like a lot of the newer guys, and this is something we talk about a lot. A lot of the newer guys, uh, the missing ingredient is not training hard enough. Of course. You know, I, we've I said just that many times. Yeah. I, yeah, I know. We have. Um, but I do see a lot of young guys out there getting after it. There's some oh, yeah. great, like, you know what I mean? But I, I think that there are maybe a, a larger portion of people who don't quite, I don't know, don't quite realize maybe the, I think it's maybe the consistency that might be a problem. I hmm. think most people can train really hard, but it kind of comes out when they train with a friend or, hmm. or when they like, you know, feel really good. It's it's the days that you like you got a shit day at work and you're tired and you got to go to the gym and you got to pull that workout out of your ass and you still kill it. Yeah. And you yeah. still like smash sets and people in the gym are like, man, you train hard today. That's what training hard is. It's when times are like when it's you know what I mean? It's it's a consistency. That's the difference. Yep. You know, a lot of a lot of guys train hard. Like everyone I've ever trained with trained pretty hard, man. They all came trained with me. But whether mm -hmm. they can do that every workout after that is different. I remember Fuad saying something similar to that early on when he was podcasting, saying like if somebody comes out 
somebody can come out and train with him and like prove to them that he that the person trains hard they'll maybe take like two scoops of pre-workout and get all amped up and get into it and they'll train hard but he was like you know can you do that every time you train for the next 10 years you know because that's really that's yeah. really what it takes so let me ask you guys a follow-up or a question then dusty how can we help people today who may need to train harder how could instead of us just like bashing on them be like you suck you don't train hard enough get back to the uh -huh. gym what are they what can we tell them that may be like helpful i think what's tricky and and i found this with online training is i've never had someone send me a set that they thought wasn't hard enough early right. on i've had them send me sets later where they look and go oh man once i looked at that there were a couple left you know what i mean yeah. um so it is a little bit of a gray area um the the answer that i can give which again is really up to their mind is understanding that that point where the discomfort starts during a set when it's it's really uncomfortable that's when the set begins for advancement you need to get two three five more reps from that point um and understand also, and, and I think Ron was actually the one that coined this. I've said it so much that I think I've stolen it, but it wasn't me. Um, is that intensity is something that progresses over time also. Like if you look earlier in your career, Ron, when you were first starting, you were an animal right out of high school. You trained hard. But how did that look compared to your hard training 10 years later? You know what right. I mean? Yeah. Effort, effort doesn't, you know, your effort can be maxed. You can have the effort knob cranked. And there can be, you know, a lot of wasted energy going in the wrong directions, you know, mm -hmm. poor, poor form, you know, an execution isn't there, you know what I mean? That sort of stuff. Um, so, you know, just because efforts crank doesn't mean that you're getting the most out of your workouts in, in that way, you know, so I think the I agree. biggest thing is to ask yourself. I mean, truthfully, ask yourself at the end of the workout if there's anything left or after I shouldn't have that workout after end of a set, because you can also save a workout by asking yourself throughout it. You know, I've never it's like it's like dieting. I never understand somebody who screws up meal two. So they decide the day is garbage. I'm like, no, no. Meal three can be right. Yeah. Well, same thing. If you have a bad set in the gym, it's important that you note it. And you're like, oh, I left some on the table there or whatever. You can't get that set back, but you have the rest of the workout. Crank yeah. it back up, finish, you know? And I know everyone likes to bag on guys videoing in the gym. Um, I think that's ridiculous because you will see a lot when you watch yourself train. All yeah. I ask is you don't be an asshole about where you put your phone and disrupt everyone else. But if you're in a situation where you can make sure it's not bothering anyone, looking back at your videos really, really helps I mean, and I, and I say this all the way down to the end of my career when I thought I was this <clears throat> polished executioner of, of unbelievable workouts. There were a few times that I felt my form going. So I stopped the set and I looked at the video and I was like, my form was fine. Yeah, that was in my head. Yeah. I left a couple reps there and I'm glad I did. I thought I was being safe, but it is good to see that. And the only reason I was recording it was for social media. But I looked, I was like, ooh. And of course, so I just turn around and put that in my post. Thought this was a flawless set. It wasn't. Anyways, so yeah. here it is. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's a it's a great tool that we can watch ours. I mean, I wish I could have filmed uh, some sets back in 1990 and seen my form. Yeah. 
Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. You don't need to film every set though. That's our point. Yeah, no, 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 no. Um, so I, I have some more. I'm just going to run this until you stop me, Scott. Like I'm doing this All right. show. All right. That's um, great. Look at that. Okay. You guys both have year round clients. Um, at what point do you take, at what point during a prep, say you and I start today, um, I'm in decent shape and I'm competing a year from today. At what point do you say, okay, now you are just on what I tell you to eat? No freedom at all versus like, you know, do you guys do treat meals every week? If I'm, if I'm again oh, in pretty right. good shape, like how does that work? What would an Olympia level coach do, Ron? <laughs> You're, there's I, only one on the show, actually. Right. So, Ron, what would you do? I, well, I remember, I remember when uh, I got my diet from Chad. He was like, "Here's your off-season diet. I want you to stick to this 90 percent." Hmm. And he goes, "So to me, that means you know." He goes, "80 to 90 percent." He goes, "So like, out of every 10 meals, eight or nine of them are." right off this plan and then hmm. maybe you know so that's a couple meals a week that you're going off plan mm-hmm. and um and he goes and if you and he goes you're a big guy you're a big super heavyweight i don't give a shit what you eat when you go off plan right like i couldn't care less eat a lot like yeah. that's the point you know so that was like factored in was like here is a lot of food be very consistent but you know you got freedom to you're a big dude go eat you know mm-hmm. so um I, I always felt like that that was off season to me, you know. I think that uh some guys like I think some people at some levels are too strict in the off season. They're a prisoner of their off season diet. They hmm. they can't be flexible. Like hmm. there are people out there in the off season, they cannot function like they're out there. They can't function at like an event. They take Tupperware to weddings. They're Fifty weeks out from their show and their ten percent body fat, and they're like, "Nope, today's a Tuesday. I can't have like eight ounces of steak. It says eight ounces of chicken on my plan. I can't." Right. You know, there's there's that, and um, I mean, I think there's a time and place for that in the off season when you're managing how you look. But I think that like you're a bodybuilder, I think you should have room for some extra food. Like, right. I I just just thought that was one of the privileges of being a big bodybuilder who trained his ass off was we get to kind of out eat everybody and <laughs> and we get to reap benefits from it. Not it's not like it's not always a bad thing. So, you know, I want my clients to eat. I want my clients to have good off seasons and go out for dinner on the weekend. And you know, I want them to also have the metabolism because of the way they train that it's actually necessary. Right. You know, and mm-hmm. um, and then it's, you know, 20 weeks out, 16 weeks out, depending on the person, the day prep starts. That's the day that you are now like your prisoner. Yeah, you're <laughs> locked in. You know, I got yeah. people where I have one meal a week in their off season because, you know, maybe we're just trying to get a baseline for the body and we got more room later. That's fine. But prep when prep starts now, it's like that's it. Yeah. Right. What about you, Scott? Yeah, everybody's going to be different depending on how their body uh, works. I really like that the way that Chad put that the eighty to ninety percent. I and I could see actually stealing that from him in the future for you know different situations. I would say though, when do we cut it out? It really it's going to depend on the person. In some ways, in some situations, it's kind of like it's figured in. So if if we can at least leave a cheat meal in at 20 weeks out 
through even 12, 10 weeks out. And that's kind of like figured into what we're doing. Maybe the rest of the food might allow us to still lose fat. And then that meal kind of loads them back up and then they deplete through the week and then they load back up. It can kind of become part of the cycle, you know, but at some point I'm probably going to cut that out and we're going to say, Hey, we're going to work to get you depleted. And then we'll either use a cheat meal or a high day to load them back up. And then that will become like our test run for loading for the show. And that might be as early as 10 weeks out. And then we can kind of get you depleted and then load you back up, see how that went and repeat that process all the way. Oops, almost knocked my shaker cup over. got excited there. All, that all, wasn't a shaker cup. <laughs> all the way, all the way into the show. <laughs> You know, so it, but it would depend, you know, when do we cut it out? It's going to depend on like what kind of progress you're making. You know, if we could ideally we'd like in an ideal world, you could still have that one, like one meal a week all the way in. Is it going to happen? Probably not. You know, mm-hmm. and part yeah, of it too, think, by the way, the, the mental right. thing that's, I was going to say in the off season, it's, it, you don't want to burn people out. So that's why mm-hmm. I want them to have those breaks as much as they can. And then in, even in contest prep, if you can give them that one break, to be able to to have it, it can be I think helpful to keep people keep the morale up, but, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. yeah. That's why I mean the the reason I asked is um, <clears throat> I, I I have a few people that I know who are following. Perhaps they're competing like ten months from now, and their coaches are like, "No cheat meals," mm. and I'm like, ah. and I know them, so I know their body fat things like that. It's it's an interesting move. I actually write out like Ron does in the beginning, my clients treat meals. I call them treat meals instead of cheat because they're in the plan. So that you're not cheating. Cheating is if you go off and do whatever the hell you want. Um, but the reason I put them in there is I want them to stay tight, actually making sure they eat enough. I find that when people are randomly cheating, the biggest yeah. issue is they go out for lunch, have this monster meal, and then they miss two more meals because of it. Yeah. And now their yeah. protein for the day is shot and it kind of spirals, you know, so there, there is an amount where it's based on the levels. Um, and same thing. I have clients I have to tell them, no, I'm telling you, you are not allowed to eat 42 meals off of this plan this week. I need one meal that is higher calorie than anything listed here. You must do it because they're trying to be ultra hardcore. And I'm like, I don't want that right now. I'm planning for when we're gonna pull that all in tight and your metabolism is where I want it to be. Your morale is where I want it to be. And you are ready now to suck down, you know? Uh, And I don't think that that's often factored in for people is those two sides of that coin. Like when you're working with someone long-term, you're planning what's going to happen at that 20 week out like it's your job to make sure they're where you want them at 20 16 12 weeks out and it's determined by those things you know if you have a client that you're saying 80 90 percent and you start watching them get fat you're like oh i think you're going a little far here kiddo what's happening and you can reel them back in you know so that's that's also what the advantage of it of working with someone in the off season i i think that you know, if I look back at, I mean, I don't know how many people have helped for shows, but I'm sure you guys, I'm wondering if you guys agree with this. You're more likely to have a hard time with a client if they just came to you for prep. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they're like, sure. hey, here's my pictures. I'm 220 pounds. You know, I'm ready to go. Day one of the diet. And I mean, you know, that's a bulk of what being helping people for prep is, is there's a lot of that. Yeah. Um, 
but I think, you know, you know, most of the people I work with now off season as well. Um, mm-hmm. But there's such an advantage to it, you know, because when you get someone that just comes with you, comes to you for prep, like sometimes you get them going and you're like, oh, like he's he's not he's not losing weight on this. Oh, right, his metabolism right. just like, OK, like, let's yeah. do this. And then the weight scale moves and you're like, oh, I see how this is going to go. Like, you're going to have to get this guy ripped on like a hard. This can be a hard diet. And you could see mm-hmm. it early, you know. And uh, we sure. get that off-season setup, you know? It's just so much different. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Game-changing. That Just the cheat meal alone can be a, a tool of getting leaner. Like, sometimes, too, it's like you can just pull the cheat meal and leave everything else, yep. and then now yep. all of a sudden it's like, oh, now they're coming down, you know? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. we just ride that out for a month. But you're right, Ron. If you start working with somebody and it's 16 weeks out, you know, if if they don't respond exactly how you want them to in that first week, it might take three weeks to figure out like, okay, what do we really need? You got and the here's here's the way I always put it too is, and I've used this analogy when people have missed check ins. I say like that I feel like I'm I'm in the passenger seat navigating. You're driving, and if I'm not looking at the road, I can't tell you when to turn. So if you just pick me up, like we're going to prep and you pick me up and you're like, okay, we're, you know, 20 blocks from prep. How do I get there? You know, it's going to take us a little time to figure well, I just got in the car. I'm going to have to get, get used to this and start watching the street in order to tell mm-hmm. you like where to make the yeah. turns, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. If you think, if, 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 if you think a physique is here and you try to move them to here, I guess I'll go across the screen. So yeah. you think it's here and you want to move them here, but in reality, their physique is actually here. Yeah. Then when you make the move, they don't wind up in the same place. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. for sure. And, and you, you know, you're, you're three weeks into prep and you're like, oh, this guy's metabolism is kind of slow, you know, like, it, yeah. And you're looking at the clock already. Ah, shit. <laughs> so no one wants to, no one wants to be in that position. You know? Yeah. It's, so it's help. You know, help. You know, if you're going to get a coach, help them out. Call them early. Yeah, no, I think that that's enormous to do um, is the quicker you can hand over the reins, the better. Um, and for the athlete, like I worked with Chris year round and we didn't like check in nonstop in the off season, but I had the base plan. And then every now and then I would just send him pictures and I would just kind of remind him where I was. And he's like, all right, cool. Keep rolling. You know what I mean? But it was always a way to touch base and make sure uh, – because I tended to shrink down a little bit in the off season, so I kind of wanted to know that I was both fat and small um, before we got started. <laughs> another, another thing that I think it always comes back to, um, I think you guys will agree, you know when you take on a client and like week one, you're like, oh, exactly the results I was hoping for, mm-hmm. right? A lot of the times... Those people train really hard. Oh, yeah. yeah. And when they send a video, you're like, oh, they're already on it. They're watching Hollings Head Train. They're watching <laughs> uh, uh, They're watching all the right Instagram guys. They're, you know, they're wearing the uh, Train by JP sweatshirts in their videos. And they're, you know, that like, like they're putting in high effort, high effort. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's why the response was. Yeah, was the way it was. I, you know, you, you see, you see a pattern, you know? Yeah. That's the, that's the, the secret. I literally just had this conversation with someone the other day 
And he said, how much cardio are we going to do? And I said, are you going to start training harder? Then I'll answer the question. Yeah. Because yeah, it, it shouldn't be too high. I never did a ton of cardio, but I was trying to kill myself until the day of the show and training. So it worked out well. I, I you know, yeah. it's, it's definitely one of those things. And I would much rather make my workout hell than do another 30 minutes on a treadmill. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. Okay. I've got a, a, a question from a listener here. I'd really love to get your guys' feedback on. He had said, uh, how accurate were Dorian Yates' logbooks? It's extremely depressing reviewing them, watching his decline bench go from 350 to 3 to 425 for 6 in three months. This progression happens with every other lift as well. Is this what people talk about with elite genetics? Some weeks I can be doing uh, everything right and almost miss my reps from my previous week. And it seems Dorian legitimately beat his logbook every workout from 1985 to 1990. Are my genetics trash or has this happened to you guys? I have question. so much to say. <laughs> Go ahead, Ron. <laughs> yeah, um, that's funny. I, I'm... I'm uh, I'm not doubting that Dorian beat his logbooks constantly. That uh, people have to remember that the reason why Dorian believed in his training so, like he believed he was training better than everyone else, and that's because he was recording his results and they were better than everyone else's results. So mm -hmm. he was everything was reinforced to him. It worked so well for him to do things that way that there was no way he was going to change. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, a lot of people say, oh, I tried to train like that and it just didn't make the gains. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, he was obviously set up for that exact, like all the equalizer was set to be like <laughs> that, you know? And uh, I don't think your genetics are trash. I just think his genetics for putting on muscle were a lot better than most people's. And his effort and dedication was drastically better than most people's. And those things just collide to create athletes like that i don't know so so my my thing i have to add is first off a lot of people would mark me as like an extremely intense trainer in the gym sure and i've trained with extremely intense athletes branch warren i mean uh, many guys that are just known to be beasts and i trained with dorian yates retired he was the most intense human I've ever been in a room with. Training with him, when he, and all I thought of during the workout was, what was he like when he was doing this? Because I know this is down. This is tapered down from what he was, and he's the most intense I've ever trained with. That's crazy. And I'm like, like that's the thing people, you can't understand even watching a video. Like, I mean, literally, it. I... I first set i'm like i mean you could almost feel intensity radiating off of this guy and i'm thinking what was the room like in 94 like you know what i mean so i think that's the thing people really need to understand is when dorian went to the gym to beat his logbook he didn't say i wonder if i'm gonna beat my logbook today it was already done yeah it was done and everything about his life was about becoming bigger and better everything his entire life revolved around it 
And I do not think that most people's lives should revolve around that because you're right. not Dorian Yates. You do mm. not have his genetics and you will waste your life. I think you should right. give it your all and have fun with it, even at a high level. But unless you're going to get the return on investment that Dorian Yates got, I think a little bit of balance is okay. There you go. Okay. That's a good one. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. What about it? We had a bunch of them here still. Um, uh, oh, this was something we were talking about, I think, travel. Oh, no, the protein scooper one. I just wanted to share this comment. He said, I found a trick that works to get the protein scooper to the top of the protein almost every time. So this is what he says to do. You flip the tub upside down and you swirl it around. He says he's found that clockwork, <laughs> clockwise works best. I love uh, this guy. If you, yeah, counterclockwork, counterclockworks if you live in Canada. So that's for you, Ron. Uh, continue to swirl the jug as you flip it back to the correct side and firmly set it down. Your scoop should now be near the top. Thank me later. You know what lesson I think? in physics. I little think physics on the show. See my dumbass swirling around protein clockwise. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love that. But like I said, when mutant loves you, they're always on the top. Um, <clears throat> <laughs> Did you have anything else, Dusty? I know we had some more list of oh, questions, yeah. but I know you had some stuff too. Yes. Yeah, so I, a couple things because I've actually had people asking. Um, so both of these are something you guys can put together. Um, first up, how do you guys handle, and I, and I know you're going to say it depends on the client, but overall, how do you like to handle carb up protocols for the last bit before a show? Mm. Well, ideally, someone's in fantastic shape with lots of time left. So mm. you can start to... You know, if someone's been going hard, like, you know, they're doing, you know, they're hitting cardio and the, they're dieting hard and then, you know, everything's in, you know, the glutes are in, the hams are in, ideal situation. Uh, you, I, I like to start backing down on the overall stress um, yeah. as far out as like even 10 days out or a week uh -huh. out. You dial the cardio back a bit, add a bit of carbs in, see how they do. And I like to kind of ideally, if you have enough time, I like to carb people up like not multiple days in a row, but like maybe give them a high day on Saturday and then they're, you know, back onto a diet Sunday, see how they look, give them a high day Monday, hit them with a high day Wednesday. And maybe they're not going right back down to baseline diet in between. They're still got more carbs in, but they're not high day, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and now they got three high days in the last six days. So right. they're probably in a lot a different a position, you know? I like to do that. And then, you know, you can do decent carbs Thursday and maybe another day Friday, a high day Friday. And you're, you know, you just had four high days in the last, you know, eight days. Right. And you're, you look a lot different than when you were on 50 carbs a day for five weeks straight. Right. Um, so I, 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 ideally, I think you want to avoid having to like ram people with food. Like, you mm -hmm. know, when you have a guy, the opposite end of the spectrum is like this one classic guy that I help. He looks like really good at 225, 230, but he's got to be 212. So it's really tough. He's got to get down to 212, make weight. And now he's got what? 16 hours? hours? <laughs> yeah. You know, he's 212, sucked to death. Like 
for the face mm-hmm. is a skeleton and he's flat as shit. The pecs are the collarbone sticking out and you know, he's got to be full the next day at 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. So that's obviously we had to talk about maybe you're done with classic. We've had that discussion too. <laughs> <laughs> so he really wanted to do it one more time. He won his class at the last show at the, he won his class, but um, you know, it's tough for him to get to 212. And so the opposite end is trying to ram guys with food short notice. Um, and hope that their out, stomach which, handles it. <laughs> yeah, hope the stomach handles it. You know, hope the legs don't get like, did you overdo it a little or something? It's, you know, some guys can take an enormous amount of food and wake up the next day looking way better. And other people, it's, it's you know, so that I, I want to avoid that. And the opposite right. end of that is having plenty of time to feed somebody up over a period of days. Right. <clears throat> I'm down with that. I mentioned before, uh, you know, a lot of times I'll try to just through the diet, we deplete somebody and then load them. And usually I'll say like, hey, all right, you know, let's keep checking, keep checking in, checking in two days. okay, checking in two days and they're getting more and more depleted. Right. And then finally Mm -hmm. we say, okay, tomorrow let's do this high day and then check back in, you know, take pictures tomorrow. We'll see how you look. And then let's take pictures the day after the high day and see how you look and mm-hmm. we can kind of that way we can take a lot of the guesswork out you know because mm-hmm. we can do that all the way in it's just a matter of timing it up to like okay now we're going to deplete you up until the show now that said um you know uh, I, I sent you guys pictures of nick vicolo a while back and i asked i was like what do you guys think could this guy do classic and mm-hmm. he went to universe and he got second all right. He looked really good. He got in classic and, and it's like his first time he ever did well at a national show. Before that, he was a 190 pound light heavyweight that would be like, you know, in the middle of the second call out or something just too tall for that. Yeah. class. needed a lot more muscle. So we were like, let's hold off for Masters Nationals. But we knew we could get him a little bit leaner, too. And mm-hmm. we had about like 15, 17 days or something. So we we pushed hard and I got him really depleted. And then I said, okay, let's do that. You know, let's do a curb up. And he didn't fill out. I saw him the next day. He was like so flat, like, cause we really right. tried to push. So he was so flat. So then I was like, why don't you do another high carb day, high carb day and shoot me pictures after work. And like, he didn't, still didn't look good. So I was like, why don't you do a burger tonight? And then the next uh-huh. day it was like, why don't you do another high carb day? He like still <laughs> wouldn't fill out. And the yeah. game plan was to give him, like, get him filled out, now deplete, and then fill him out to the show. It didn't end up working that way. We ended up filling out for, like, four days. And by then, it was, like, Saturday. He competed on Wednesday. It was just this last Wednesday. And I was like, right. okay, so now he's full. And then we just let him deplete on Sunday and then gave him a little bit of food. Then he's full already. It doesn't take a lot, right? Yeah, yeah, just yeah. filled him back up for you know Monday, and he doesn't have to worry about making scale. He still had he still had room, and then we just wrote it in, you know, and we just had to deal with water then, you know, right? But yeah. he ended up missing his pro card again by one place and one point. Oh. One point, and I get it. The other guy had more muscle, like he he was bigger, and Nick could. It was close though. It was really close. I got a I got a picture here. This is how he turned out here. Oh, yeah. You know, just a tiny waist, too, you know. Love that structure. Yeah, Yeah, it's a tiny waist. So we're going to try to grow now. He's got to deal with real life stuff. So he's going back to, you know, living life, doing work, taking care of the family. He's got a full family, you know. 
and he's just did these three shows so he's taking the time off but it's so cool because he went from being a guy who was like gonna do a national level show for fun to now he's like hey crap i could get a pro card and knock so, it on the door yeah yeah for sure yeah 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 so yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Well, I love the answers on those because I feel like the part that gets missed often that, that Jose said to me at one point that, that was so great, which is at the end of a prep, anything drastic that can help you can hurt you. And I think that's something people miss. So when you yeah. decide to swing for the fences, just assume there's a 50% shot you're going to wake up better and a 50% shot you're screwed and you just lost your entire prep. So it's much better when you can just kind of cruise in. I know um, a lot of people would ask like my carb up during when Chris worked with me and it never failed. I did eight ounces of potatoes with every meal. Okay. For like two days. That's it. Huh. There was like no, you know, he, he had me bring other stuff in case. And like, I just got a little fuller, a little tighter, a little fuller. He had me salt them. Yeah. So I was doing mm -hmm. salted potatoes six times a day for two and a half days. And it was like, all right, we're good. And I mean, every time I'd wake up in the morning and it was like, we're ready. You know, I think that a lot of people, like you said, Ron, they think they're going to just jam these carbs down. And if you need to do that, then you either had to go too far to make weight or whatever, or you should have never been that depleted in the first place because like you said scott like sometimes there ain't no coming back yeah you know yeah had we right. not had the time if i was like oh we'll just fill you out you know three days before yeah. or two days before the show you yeah, would have been yeah. screwed he would have been flat i mean we filled out for like three four days and it was but it was a, a hard push there are so many people that are like what's your i had a guy ask me recently we're getting ready to do a show and he was like well what's your protocol what are we going to do like will we use insulin do we need growth you know all this different stuff and it's like <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> that's that's my favorite answer Chris ever gave me. It was the first for the first show we ever did. I said, "Hey, I'm prepping all my food to bring. Uh, what are we going to be eating?" He really, literally responded back with, "I don't know." <laughs> yeah, and I was like, "All right." So back then, I was so obsessive, <laughs> Scott, that I um, at the time we had eaten whitefish, chicken, flank steak, and salmon. So I made enough to have six meals of every one of those things if they were the only thing I ate. <laughs> I brought all of it with me. Oh, so man. it was like <laughs> I brought 36 meals of all four of those things just in case to Chicago. Good God. Good God. <laughs> Chris, Chris never really dictated my proteins to me ever. Yeah? Yeah. He'd be like, what are you eating? And I'm like, chicken breast, bit of steak, egg whites. He's like, okay. <laughs> I don't think most just, people could handle how loose he was. Eh, yeah okay. yeah well he just knew that i'm not changing anything like i'm not going to suddenly go right. to fish and not tell him right like, right right and i remember i asked him once in a while like do you want me to lower my fat a little bit i'm still having turkey once at uh, ground turkey once a day it's not the leanest he'd be like that's eh, kind of the only fat in your diet i just leave it in because like you know we'd go pretty low fat right yeah he's yeah. like you're eating egg whites and whey isolate Maybe just leave in the ground turkey, like, you know. You we need that. that. <laughs> he said so, on heavy muscle one day that he shoots for ninety-seven percent. He's like, if you shoot for a hundred, you're oh, you yeah. might you're probably going to end up you might end up with a hundred, or you might end up with a hundred and three, and that's going to be just as bad as you know being you know fifty, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, Chris called me the other day. I'd just done my last set in the gym. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I answered the phone. 
you know, FaceTime in the gym. It was FaceTime he called you on, just randomly. And, yeah, and I said, I pretended I was still training. I go, you know, uh, you're the only person I will answer when in the middle of a workout. <laughs> he was like, oh, the Canadian Trendmaster's important workout. <laughs> Funny. That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> hey, what know. about this one? This is one of our listeners. Um, he said, uh, okay, here we go. Um, okay, as coaches, if a newbie client came to you and said they want to do a show, maybe in a year, but they want to ease into it, is that a red flag? Do you take them on? If so, how do you do it? In my case, I'm 48. And I'd like to do a show, but I'm not about to pack meals on a plane or I'm not get or, or or not have some snacks. I think I could do it in six to eight weeks right before the show. Um, I feel like life is too short to not do that for a year, especially when I'm not going to have a career in bodybuilding. Maybe I'm just I just don't have the desire. What says you? I think that you don't have the desire to act like you want to step on stage but that's not what competing is about yep. competing is about hmm. like if if you don't want to be the best you can possibly be for your show it's just kind of a weird thing to do like yeah. I, I, I don't really get the like do a show and just be okay with being 30% of your potential you know no one wants that anytime I've ever you know any any bodybuilder who steps on stage at less than their best is probably not that happy which mm. is like almost all the shows i ever did <laughs> that's why i said before <laughs> competing wasn't really that fun like a lot of it was disappointing a lot of those shows were disappointments because i wasn't quite you know you think man i got second that could have been a little bit bigger it could have been a little tighter because there's that hunt for that one more percent yeah. and no matter what placing you get like you know, I'm you know one show I got fourth. I'm like, oh man, if I would have been a little bit tighter, I might have been able to be third. Like, I always had the mentality where like I wanted every possible placing I could ever get, and everything was usually a disappointment. And right. I, I can't imagine yeah. then also going into it with the mentality that I'm not really going to try. <laughs> yeah, like add that on to it. I don't see how you could be successful enough to make it worth your time. You know. Yeah, I feel like you're better off in that scenario. Uh, I have plenty. I mean, I literally I just posted this yesterday. I had a guy just come enjoy up, training. He, he reached out to me, and his goal. He literally said, "I because I one of my questions in my questionnaire is, why are you hiring me? What's your goal?" And he said, "I want to be the most jacked dad at the local swimming pool." And I was like, "Done. When do we need to be ready for the pool?" Yeah, fair and enough. We're not ready. You know what yeah. I mean? So my point is, I don't think that this guy should compete in bodybuilding. Because right. you can have a snack on the airplane when you want to be the most jacked dad. Now, if you work with me, I'm still going to tell you not to. But, you know, you can, it, everything comes down to your goals. And like you said, Ron, like it's very hard for me to not feel like I'm stealing from you. Yeah. If I'm writing your diet and your plan and you're not following it. Because the first thing, like clients will send me, they're checking. A guy like him and he says, hey. I was on the road this week. I ate what they had on the plane. Plus, I had some snacks and I had a couple Jack and Cokes. And I had three meals off the plan. Here's my check-in. What should I change this week? And I say, you should follow the diet. And I send it back. Well, if we do that for like two months, I'm starting to feel like a thief. 
because I cannot manipulate your plan that you're not following to get your results. I have yeah. no idea why we're not, I know why we're not succeeding because you're not following the plan, but I don't think people realize that the plan is put into place so that a reaction takes place mm-hmm. and then we take that information to adjust the plan. But if you're not staying close to that plan, we can't do that. And now I'm just stealing from you. So for me as a coach, it's not that I'm, you know, like heated or super hardcore. It's just I can't be of value to you if you're doing it that way. And it's kind of a waste. You know, I'd rather a guy like that. Like he said, I could do it for six to eight weeks. Fine. Let's do best, you know, most jacked dad of the pool for six to eight weeks and go hard. Yeah. I'd much rather work with you for that time. Yeah. Then for a whole year where we're kind of dicking around because um, you won't get results. I won't have any fun. And, and I hate to say this, but I don't need the two hundred fifty dollars bad enough to do that. I would rather work with someone that wants it. Right. I got a question because I want to dig into this further. Ron, you said <clears throat> there's a desire to compete and there's a desire to get on stage or, or something to that effect. What does that mean then? What is because because I think that for people that don't get it and maybe for this listener, what is what is the competing about then? It was well the the competing was always about trying to get the physique that was in my brain. Hmm. Like I had a dream of a physique in my head, and I was trying to create that. But the show was just like the day that it was due, in a way. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. Because the way I kind of read it is that it, it, it's about it, it doing everything you can to get that physique yeah. in your brain. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is, like, I'm going to take this time to do whatever I can in my power to yeah. create that thing that I have in my head, you know, and that's, that's what the show is. That's what the competition is, is that versus like, I've always said this, there's, there's two kinds of people. There are the people that say, what more can I do? And the people that say, what more can I get away with? And I think what Uh you're telling me is like, what are the things? What are all the things? That's what competing is to me is what are all the things I can do to bring my best? And then this guy does the same thing. And then we both get on stage together and see who who battles it out and wins. Yeah. Uh I, um, yeah, I agree with that. And, and I mean, it was always sort of like, Looking back on it, I guess I always kind of had a bit of a view that it was like kind of like a performance art piece, hmm. you know, like all the work you put into it somehow I felt was visible yeah. in the final. Like if I like people are going to see how hard I worked. like I wanted that to come across, you know, yeah. I didn't want people to ever look at my physique and think, oh, he's a lazy bodybuilder. Like I wanted them to look at my physique and go, oh, this guy's worked really hard to look like this. Like this, uh-huh. like, you know, look his condition, you know, look what he did with his frame. Like this is, you know, I guess I always hoped that that would be part of the the thing. So I always wanted to do the most I could because I thought that it was going to be part of the look. Yeah. I don't right. know whether that's realistic or not. Some guys have an easy time looking a certain way, but uh, <laughs> I sort of us. felt, it's no one yeah, on this show. I sort of, I sort of <laughs> felt like, and, and I, I probably hindered myself in a lot of ways. Like I've talked about how I probably overdid it in the gym a lot when my calories were too low and I probably pushed my calories too low. I probably depleted myself too far sometimes. And um, I know I did several shows where I wasn't as full as I should have been because I was like chasing the glutes so aggressively. 
that I just, yeah. you know, would realize after the show, like, oh, I should have been fuller. Like my pecs are fuller now, you know, like a lot of that. But but it's the intent, you know, the intent was to to put the craziest amount of hard work I could into this sort of art project. Yeah. Yeah. So there's so the idea is, I think you said like the snacks he could have. He, he, he was like, I don't want to not have the snacks and be able to eat what I want, you know. Yeah. So that's kind of like versus it's not a, for you competing then it wouldn't have been taking away because those are not the things you didn't want the snacks you wanted the physique no 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 and i actually enjoyed the feeling of not having the snacks like i enjoyed those moments it was your desire yeah Mm -hmm. i took pride in those moments like you know those moments when everyone's grabbing a piece of pizza but you're like ah no i'm I'm not eating pizza right now and i also i also i was very uh clear about the language i used i i always wanted to make sure it wasn't like i can't have that right now yeah i would, I would always work on I, I didn't talk like that huh. i was like oh i'm getting i'm getting ready for a show right now so i'm not eating that right i would yeah. say not that, that you to people can't, like but you're choosing yeah, it's completely in my control and there's yeah. nothing you can do to change my mind yeah i, like that. I love that i think that that's the you know the thing that has altered with competition is it's become well known so a lot of people just feel like they should do a show. Hmm. And all my friends did one, I'm gonna do one. Yeah, when I first competed, the confusion in my father's face when I invited him to come watch me and a bunch of dudes in my underwear on stage was was interesting. He's like, what are you do what are you doing? Why? And I did well, it. Well Arnold did like, it. And he's like, Why? Like, <laughs> like you know, and, and the funniest part was for me, and Ron, you know this. I, I, I never liked competing. I always loved prepping. But like you said with the art project, I needed the the mile marker. I needed the date, the calendar, yeah. and the stage to check in on myself and see where I was and then keep moving forward. And that's why it never mattered that I was not going to be an elite pro. Could I be better than I was nine months ago, 13 months ago, 17 months ago? Did I bring up the arm like I said I was going? You know what I mean? Because I spent all year doing that, you know, so that was the check in for me. And and I think if that's not the way you're wired for training and the way you look, that's OK. But you're not wired for bodybuilding. So I, I wouldn't suggest competing. I'd suggest picking another reason to lean down to look good and, and you're, you're set to go because the, the people who really want to bodybuild, they're psychopaths. That's all they wanted to do all year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially as you climb the ladder, you know, like you see people go from amateur or regional to national and then from, you know, national to pro and then to actually jumping into pro shows. And, you know, what they got away with at mm. a certain level, they run into a ceiling and they're like, oh, this is where it ends because I'm doing, you know, a little bit of snacking on the planes. Mm-hmm. And these other guys are not snacking on the planes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, and you just, yeah, there's just, everyone sort of comes into their moment of realization if, of what their level has, is actually at, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's okay. a good question. We got some, we got yeah. some over-unders? Yeah. Yeah. We do. Let's close out with those. All right. Ah, start off with an easy one. Netflix. Overrated, underrated. I'd say it's a bit overrated 
because I think like the last four shows that we watched were like on Crave and Apple and, you know, other streamers. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've, oh, we did, we did watch Black Mirror, which was on Netflix, but of like the last four or five shows we watched, I think that was the only Netflix one. Right. So, you know, there, sometimes I think, man, I wish this one show was on Netflix. Like there's a handful of stuff I have to have yeah. the other channels for, you know? <laughs> Agreed. We have them all. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Scott? I think that um, that uh, Gladiators show was on Netflix. But outside of that, I haven't watched much Netflix. We have Hulu, and we'll watch yeah. that. So we've been watching Lost, which we're getting ready to go to Australia, and we're watching that. Victoria was like, what's the cutoff date when we're supposed to stop watching Lost before we fly to Australia? Right. That's, where they, so that's where they're coming from. Yeah. Maybe we just watch it all. You know, maybe we'll yeah, get yeah, right yeah. to the end. Who knows? Watch it on the flight. Yeah. How um, far into Lost are you? We're deep. We're real deep. Like season like, four. Like I think the end of season four now. Oh. So it's like, it's crazy. The show is. I forgot yeah. how good it is. And I also forgot how. Like, like I for, I forgot what happened in a lot of cases. So, and so did she. So we're like watching it again for the first time. Like, oh crap, what's gonna happen? You know? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I never finished Lost. I got to the end of season four and I thought it was great, but I think something happened with my life and my schedule. And I yeah. just, you know, that was back in the watch TV days. Oh, right. Oh yeah, yeah. Like you know, that was like it was on TV. You know, like Wednesdays at nine or whatever. Like all, all of a sudden, my you know your schedule changes and you're not home Wednesdays at nine for yeah. a while, and you just stop watching Lost. You don't have a VHS, like, you know. Yeah, you just don't Can't record P- it. Remember PVR and stuff. Remember those days? I'll PVR it. Yeah. You know, yeah. crazy. Oh, that's great. All right. On that note, Scott, of you guys going to Australia, overrated, underrated, first class travel business class i wouldn't know because i've never tasted that fruit i know that when i do that i'll never go back and so (laughs) although when mutant flew us to germany uh we did get like the upgraded like nicer seats they brought you a a, a damp towel and all of that and uh dre and i were living in the lap of luxury i made sure to like pull that freaking curtain back so those Peasants, peasants didn't come. Yeah, peasants didn't come you. and see us. That was it, though. We're, I think we're doing that for Australia too. Uh, nice. and, but it's, it's definitely like a small upgrade compared to first class. I I'm just too cheap, man. I can't do it. I can't spend like an extra thousand dollars plus for a right. better seat. So yeah, I Ron, wish I could. You've, wish I you've could. done plenty of business class travel. Overrated or underrated? Oh, it's. Uh, well, uh, aside from the price, it's unbelievably underrated. I think most people don't want to fly first class because it'll ruin, it'll just <laughs> destroy and ruin getting on a plane. Like it's pretty, like you fly overseas. I remember the first time I got put in first class was because British Airways lost my luggage. Yeah. And so on the return flight, they were like, hey, we're really sorry about that that you know terrible inconvenience on your way over we're going to put you in business on the way back you and all your friends yeah so we all got to sit in business and like after that trip oh just (laughs) ruins it valid very valid yes then the next flight you have to sit in coach and you don't get an aisle seat oh you just want to kill yourself yeah, oh God, I will have I will have a conniption if I don't get an aisle seat though. That I that's the oh, thing yeah. is like back in the day 
years ago, you didn't have the choice. Like with Southwest Airlines, for instance, it was just like first come, first serve, grab a seat. And I yeah, just no. I would kind of have like a little bit of a panic attack thinking that I was going to have a bad seat. But now at least you can pick your seats. And I know I yeah. can hang my arm way out there and piss everybody off for the whole ride. Yeah. yeah, I know when I book when I book with Air Canada, it's like, you know, the flight will be four hundred dollars with no seat selection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, not until you check in and then it's a lottery. Right. Yeah. Or you can select your seat ahead of time and it's five hundred dollars. And you're like, that's a hundred bucks I'm willing to spend. Yeah. Oh, every time. Yeah. Oh, emergency uh, aisle exit. <laughs> and I learned yeah. a tool from Ron when you the beginning, when you first sit down, you have to sit in the front relaxed position because when the stewardess <laughs> just, walks by she's gonna yeah what well, she's gonna test you you have to, you have to establish dominance yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah no T- tammy knows the uh, our travel agent the seats that i like and she is amazing she will literally knows exactly what seat and if like my flight to arizona i'm not in the exact seat i'm always in because someone had it so she actually emailed me to let me know where I was and why it wasn't the normal seat. I'm like, oh, I man. love this lady so much. She so is, cool. uh, that's Mutant's lady. She is Oh, okay. Amazing. So she hooks me up too then. She does a great job. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, she yeah, is yeah. the absolute best. I mean, I think, I don't know if I told you, Scott, but I, I missed a flight coming back from overseas Yeah, because Trump was landing somewhere. So they held us from taking off. So then we we end up missing a flight and I I end up stuck in like Chicago and it was supposed to be overnight. So literally I hit the ground. I know I'm screwed. And I'm like, I don't even know how I want to handle this right now. Like I was so tired. And then my phone rings. And I'm like, hello. And it was her. And she's like, hey, you, you missed your flight. I've rebooked you for tomorrow morning. There's a car waiting for you downstairs and you're going to this hotel. I was like, wow, that's awesome. (laughs) Like, I literally walked down the stairs, got in a car, went straight to a hotel I didn't book, knew when to be back outside to go back to the airport the next day. It was, yeah. I was like, okay, I love you, Mutant. And Tammy, yeah. you're getting a Christmas present. So, <laughs> yeah, Tammy's great. She just finished booking up my Mutant on a Mission trip that's coming up in August. I got to go film nice. three, three, more, three more episodes. So, I just gave her the addresses for the gyms. And yep. she's like, Kate, and she Googled the gyms and booked the closest hotel to each gym. You know what I mean? Made her That's life great. really easy. Got it all done for me. Yeah. Really, yeah. really great. Amazing. If, if you if you travel often, get a travel agent. They know things we don't know. Yeah. Trust me. You, yeah. you want a Tammy. Okay. Um, let's see here. Formal education. I think we did this one before. We did this one before. Did we? Does, doesn't matter. Yep. Doing okay. it again. Okay. Because I watched a great thing on it that I thought was awesome. Um, and a guy just said this, and I thought it was fantastic. Because obviously, uh, I have a 17-year-old, and I'm hearing a lot about it from school. He said, the thing that drives him crazy is the question asked in high school is, where are you going to college? Yeah. When the question should be, why are you going to college? Yeah. Right. And I love that. So, yeah. overrated, underrated. Formal education, Go. Uh, right now, it's showing to be uh, overrated in a, a general way, uh, mm-hmm. unless, of course, you want to be it. I mean, if you want to be a doctor, you kind of have to go to university. Right. Like right. you can't you can't say underrated 
You're going to just be a doctor yeah. some other way. I no, learned it I mean, at home. I learned it on yeah, the internet. For, obviously, for certain things, there's no other way around it. But um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, like you said, Dusty, are 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 thinking, oh, I just have to go. And yeah. um, that's when you, you wind up like, um, you know, I was always afraid of being one of those people that was like three years into a degree and then realized I didn't care. And then like, because right. I met those people like, oh, I took three years of this and then I switched my major. Yeah. And then I did two more years of that. And then I never graduated because I wound up starting a online business and like, you know what I mean? So that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, f- there's a lot to say about uh, a good education being sure. obviously, you know, teaching mm-hmm. you how to think critically and all that stuff. I'm not too sure that certain departments of our universities are doing a lot of critical thinking right now. Mm-hmm. So there's a might be a little bit of a lack of critical thinking in some of these uh, uh, academic institutions at, at the moment. Um, uh, so there's definitely certain things of, about university, I would say, are drastically overrated. Um, mm. But if you have a good why then that's the answer you know if you have yeah. a good why there's there's your answer but if you're just going because you think you're supposed to and you're going to go rack up you know 50 grand 60 grand 80 grand in debt on some yeah degree and you don't really even have a business idea or anything like that that's i think that's a problem right Agreed. i'm with that 100 percent. i mean right now yeah. we are cyborgs yeah like <laughs> we're much. already cyborgs like Pretty the much. difference between this in our hand and this in our head isn't actually that big of a difference. It's just a speed of ex, uh, ex, uh, you know, accessing it. But, yeah. but right now we're, we've got all the information in the world at our fingertips to do whatever we want. And I think that, uh, I mean, Gary V talks about this all the time. Yeah. You know? yeah. I'm one step no. closer with the watch. I'm like monitoring yeah, it's all, it's what my body does. Gym. Yeah, I'm monitoring yeah. what my body does at all times. I can check my sleep, what my heart rate's doing, what my oxygen is, and I'm getting mm-hmm. all sorts of great info. Plus, somebody texts me while we're here, and I'm like, oh, I got a text. I don't even have to look, you know? Yeah. What yeah, what no. kind of watch are you, what, what are you running? What is that? I got the new Apple Watch, and I specifically got it to be able to monitor my, like, just everything that's going on with my body so I can see. I wanted to be able to get more critical data um, to kind of see with my health, just, I'm looking for, we're looking for patterns basically, you know, what, right. what is it, uh, what are, what are the different things that, that happen when I have like my high periods and my low periods, my strong periods, my weak periods, what are we uh-huh. seeing in the data from the watch? So, you know, it's still That's early cool. right now. So right now we're just gathering and it's kind of fun to see. That's very cool. Very, very cool. Okay. Okay. I, lo- I love Keep us data. posted. I don't know yeah. why. The reason I don't have an Apple phone is I just, I feel like I don't want, first of all, I wear no jewelry whatsoever. Yeah. No, I mean, either. I, I feel like it'd be weird to have a watch on. Well, I have the ring, and, but yeah. Oh yeah. And then, and then also too, like I, I sort of didn't want any more things alerting me. Like I just, I didn't want to be overstimulated. I thought if I had it, I'd be like, ah, fucking just annoyed all day. I don't know. Yeah. I, I have no set- alerts on, on my, on my phones at all. So that's my secret there. Yeah, yeah. I, like, mine are controlled, you know. But yeah, I'm, yeah, do not yeah, disturb yeah, yes. button is the most amazing thing in the world, yeah. because literally there are only three people on the planet that can interrupt my day. Other than that, it's when I look, because if not, like when you're working, if it rings, I want to know what was that. Yeah, you know, and I don't do like it's not. We're not talking about Instagram and shit. Just like texts and emails, and I don't like that because it does distract me. So I just learned to turn it off. So and that's, that's been me game changing. Ron, 
and Nikki, in case anybody was wondering. Why would I let her interrupt me? <laughs> that is ridiculous. She's in the other room. She can walk over. <laughs> Donna, Donna. Exactly. There it is. <laughs> yeah, it's actually classic. Um, okay. Scott, this one is a pointed one. Uh-oh. <clears throat> yes. Weddings. Overrated, underrated, and you can you got to go into detail because obviously there's there's levels to weddings the way people do them. Go. All right, all right, and I did want to let you guys know I have one good good closer, good feel good closer, and he, that this was what he called it. it. No, he called it a feel good closer. <laughs> I, I like was, this guy already. So I'm going to go back to my old ways, and I'm going to say that they no, no I can't say no. they're accurately rated. They're totally <laughs> overrated. the The traditional wedding is totally overrated. The, the cost, you just say you're going to get a wedding and have a wedding and they like, oh, they're 30% more to rent this hall. And, you know, the mm-hmm. cost of everything related to a wedding or if you want to buy it in white goes up by 50% right. or whatever. So they're totally overrated. That said, my wedding to Victoria was literally one of the best days of my life. Like it was right. perfect. It was absolutely perfect. And there were three people on my side of the family, three people on her side of the family. It was super low key and it was just it was great i couldn't ask for more too much pressure though in what we think we're supposed to do with weddings and too much of an investment i i uh i have a lot of friends that did the first wedding real big (laughs) how was the second (laughs) and the second one was like oh yeah hey guys we uh we actually got married last month i got a lot of friends who did that for the second one you know and um I, I, I know that it's like kind of a cliche, grumpy old man thing to say, but I do know uh, many people who have told me that if they would have invested the money they spent on their first wedding, it would have transformed both their and their ex-wives' live, lives right. um, uh, forever. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. um, I think there's a lot of pressure. It, 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 yeah. you know, it all starts with, with the competition thing. There's a very competitive thing in, in, in some people with with their wedding and yeah. uh they wind up going way overboard and inviting a lot of people that like do you really know your uncle jim who's twice removed from your cousin kayla right, like, right. does he have to come and get a 20 dollars steak dinner like and drink right. 20 know, this, 20 well, i don't know I'm yeah just, yeah you know, like, wow. <laughs> you know i'm just uh, okay it's 1985 yeah. does he have to oh, come yeah. and have a 20 steak dinner <laughs> You know, so, so, so yeah, like it, 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 uh, you know, I know people like, what do people spend on weddings? You know, it can be crazy. People spend six figures on a day. Yeah. On a day. Yeah. 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 I know. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I was curious, Scott, I'll be honest. I was, I was curious where your answer, because I did know obviously that, uh, your, your wedding was awesome, but it was because of how you chose to do it. Not just who, obviously, I know that part, but like how you chose to do it. And that's the spark. Like, you know, it was funny because I I told Nikki, I was like, you know, when the girls get married, I'm going to give them a choice. They can have this much money for this or this. And I'm like, no, they can't have a choice. I'm buying them a house. (laughs) Here's your down payment. That's what you get. Tell me, tell go. me when we're going to the signing, and I'll I'll write the check. But you you're not getting thirty, forty thousand dollars for a day. Kiss yeah, my ass. not happening. Um, <laughs> All right. Let's see here. Oh, this is I got one more because this right. is important to me. Overrated or underrated? Little Caesars Pizza. 
sorry, this matters. This is, this is a life lesson. Scott, you're first because you're American. I'm real hungry right now. And I think Little Caesars is from Michigan. I know. Yeah, of Little course Caesar, it is. I think it is because we do have Little Caesars Arena. That's that's where. That's the uh, wings. Yeah. Can, yes. And I think they're from here. So is Domino's Pizza is from here. And they have Domino's Farms, which is really cool. And they have like a big petting farm that we go to sometimes. Where and uh, the, like U of M's. Uh, so the, like pizza's big. All right. This is big pizza. Big my pizza. point. I'm getting to my point. <laughs> this is big. Have you, ever been to, have you ever been to Italy? Great place. What is happening? Big, big pizza <laughs> town so here, Dusty. It was actually pizza money. There's a lot of pizza money here. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is amazing. <laughs> I'm flat out, I'm going to say underrated because I'm hungry right now. And if nice. somebody were, if Victoria was like, hey, they just dropped off a Little Caesars uh, hot and ready pizza. I'd be like, mm. fuck yeah. See? See? Totally. At this moment. Now, Do they after have Little the show, Caesars in Canada? Ron? Oh, yeah. We have yeah. Little Caesars in Canada. Right. I, I think the last Canada. time I had Little Caesars pizza was like 2003, something mm. like that. Long I time. think I grabbed oh, one. I went and rented sad. some movies from Blockbuster Video. <laughs> yes, actually carried them home. And then I went next door to Little Caesars Pizza and grabbed a large pie. Went home oh, with my Blockbuster day. videos and my Little Caesars Pizza. Heck yeah! With what the, a day. Yeah. yeah, pizza's really big day. in Canada. Oh, pizza, pizza is big everywhere. But like Canada, but, it's really big. You go to like little town, like the town where Victoria, Victoria's dad lives. It's a small town and there's like five pizza places. Oh, Why yeah. They're all, yeah, all of them right around wow. my house. I could see like five of them out my window. There's uh, one of those, you know, those kind of smaller local joints where you can go in and they have some by the, sl by the slice, you know, by yeah, the front yeah. door. Mm -hmm. Well, there's one of those right by the spot where I ride. <laughs> so if i have like yesterday we rode for two and a half hours like we went hard like i drank you know two liters of fluid and we had a good session and uh that place was still open it was like nine o'clock and they're still open so i walked across the street loaded my bike up walked across the street there's three slices of meat lovers just sitting there they're all crispy because they've been on the under the hot <laughs> for light too for long like, <laughs> too long so they kind of crispy on top and i was like oh i came at the perfect time i'll take that whole top row <laughs> you guys like you know yeah yeah the little things in life just what the guy said the guy looked at him and goes you could have got two entire little caesar's pizzas for this much money right oh. yeah <laughs> he actually gave me a deal he's like he's like like they're the last ones because yeah. I was like, kind of like this going in. If he's going to have any, he might just have vegetarian left or something, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, what do you have left? He's like, just all meat. And I'm like, oh, oh. for me? Yeah. <laughs> all left for Ron right there. Yeah, yeah. I what like that, you, crisp, that crispy top, you know? It was perfect. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. So, so this was a loaded question because I spend the majority of my life based around Little Caesars Pizza now. Oh, cigars, everything. Oh, wow. And what I mean by that is, so Little Caesars Pizza is good. It's not phenomenal. It's good. It gets the job done. But it's six bucks. So I now have a really hard time when I go to a pizza place and it's $26. Because mm, I'm like, yeah. okay, it's good. But is it four times better than Little Caesars? No. Right. They've set a bar of, of a certain yeah. level. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's that's how my life has been... I don't know if ruined or saved by Little Caesars, but and I do the same thing now with cigars. Like when I first got into them, I would I didn't care. Oh, 70 bucks, I'll try it. 
that's great. And now I'm like, is it that much better than the $16 one? No. Yeah. So like my, my whole range has changed. I'm like, I could have how many of these for that one? No. So yeah, Little Caesars has changed my entire life. I mean, I don't even go to strip clubs the same anymore. Wait, never mind. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, that, that's why I asked because I think it's the most phenomenal thing because the girls were doing it and I went, I went to pick them up one day and they handed me the receipt because you pay online so I didn't even know. And I looked at the receipt and I was like, $12? I had these two giant pizzas. What the hell is going on right now? So I don't think there's actually any like real cheese on them or anything. But anyways, moving along, it can't be. It's too cheap. It's all good. <laughs> you can't afford. The so cheese. what is what is our finishing question, Scott? All right. It so is this is uh, from one of our Patreon peoples, and he said, um, "Question for it's just bodybuilding at the end of the show. Question for good vibes, guys. You'll have just won the one billion Thunderball." Um, mm. You have bought all the houses, the cars, the guns that you want, and you still have 99% of the money left. How would you go about trying to elevate other lives? Um, ideas to get you started, maybe local kids sport teams or schools or educating amateur bodybuilders. We do that now for free. Uh, maybe yeah. helping something uh, your family is in it too. Um, would be good to hear your thoughts. I would open more Little Caesars. I'd become a pizza a pizza mogul. And I'd have enough uh, money to fund it until it was successful. I'd force it. Force it down the line. You're going to shut uh, down Detroit. Right. You're going to kill Detroit. That's what's going to happen. Take over all the, no, pe- I, the pizza money. No, because I'm, I'm, I'm grabbing all. The, I'm, I'm franchising from them. So I'm making Detroit oh, better. Because I, gotcha. I need more people to go play for the Red Wings. So anyways. Let's see. Go. All right. What would we really do? Could you buy Oof. the IFBB? I, I I I don't I want to enrich lives. Um, well, you could do what you wanted with it then. <laughs> you imagine if Dusty had control of the IFBB, Ron. Could definitely buy the IFBB. Uh, oh, Disney yeah. paid Disney paid four billion for Star Wars, so I'm sure the IFBB isn't worth a billion. Yeah. <laughs> do you think now that Disney's messed up Star Wars, I could get it for a billion? Well, they're um, actually, uh, I think they might sell it. And I heard Apple was interested in buying Star Wars off them because they tanked it so bad. Hmm, see? Probably get it Told for you. $3 billion. Get it for a billion. I get my money. Um, yeah. All right. Now we get serious. What, what would you, is there something you guys can think of? Here's what stinks is a lot of things that I would like to do. What's scary is if, if there's enough money to make it happen. Like, I mean, I immediately think of things like, I mean, because, you know, you have friends that's like that have family members that have had issues with Alzheimer's or, you know, cancer. But it's like, I don't even know if a billion dollars scratches the surface. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and so you'd want to make sure you put the money into something that would, would work. You know? I, I've thought about this before, and um, my initial thoughts would be that I would want to do some stuff that was really fun that gave back to the things that I really like. Yeah. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So I thought, man, I'd love to put on, because, you know, you're a billionaire, so just think of, like, how hard it is to run out of money. So I'd I'd promote a pro show and offer huge prize money. And Mm -hmm. it would just be fun. That'd be cool. 
I mean, if you offered five hundred thousand dollars for first place, if you out out first place, can you out first place the Olympia if you want? Ooh. Can you just offer that? Can you have a pro show and and have more money than the Olympia for first place? Is that in the rules, or do they kind of reserve the the right to have the most? prize money i don't know if another promoter i feel like there'd and, been yeah things with like the arnold in the past where there had been the kind of right. like you, you couldn't do things yeah. kind of right stuff. yeah you know maybe you uh you just think i want to have the best show i'm gonna pay for absolutely all the expenses of all the pros fly everybody in pay for all their rooms just make it like a craziest show you've ever seen and just have a big mm-hmm. celebration of massive event and expo and just make it crazy and i don't know and then also too, like you know, my my, you know, I, I I love Flatland, and there's there's no money in it at all. Like the best riders in the world are maybe the the five ten guys that actually make a living out of it. So I would have like a contest, and I'd offer crazy prize money and get everybody to come and just have fun. And then right. the next thing I would do is um, dog rescues. Like I would yeah. I would maybe set up a foundation of dog rescues that that were really you know, well-funded that could do some really cool stuff and, um, and try to make a difference that way. Cause I just, I love dogs so much. And, and, you know, I follow all the rescue pages and, you know, I just want to adopt all the dogs. And I, I think that would probably be very rewarding it would be have like, a sure. net, you know, a big dog rescue that could make a difference, you know? Yep. So That'd be cool. I, I back the last one a ton the dogs, because knowing, yeah. yeah, well, because that's something that, uh, people don't realize what goes into it and yeah, they work hard and there's not a lot of money for them. They're scroungers. Most of well, I mean, like, I mean, obviously like powerful rescue. It's, it's, they're not profiting. That's not the goal. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. to, if they happen to have extra money, it's like, how do I reinvest this into our, into our rescue to make it yeah. a better rescue? You know, imagine if, if you could turn around and pay their employees. So they had employees. Yeah. yeah. Imagine yeah. If, you, if they you know, could how work many with more the dog people could they help? Yeah. What else could they do? You know, I mean, the list goes on and on. So that I would definitely agree with. I think what I, I what I've learned um, over time was was that the most valuable thing anyone ever has ever given me is teaching me how to do things that I can stretch further. You know, so the amount of people that have that have um, mentored me, whether it was on purpose or not was pretty high and I'm really fortunate with the people I've had. So I would love to be able to find a way to mentor people that don't have that. So you don't have to give them money, but if you could pay these mentors, like handle the bill for people who are really interested in something so that they could further educate themselves and go be more successful, that would be enormous. Cause sometimes we don't realize how, how little people have. You know, so you're like, you hear about this great mentor and you know he's great and it's $200 a month. Like, you got to do that. And they're like, where would I come up with $200? Yeah. You don't realize how many people do not have that 200 But if they did, how much further their life could go, how much further, you know, how, I mean, you don't even know how much further the world could go because they have tools that they wouldn't have had, you know? So that would be yeah. my thing is finding a way to uh, educate more people on many things that they have talents in. Because I'm, I'm sure that we don't know the best of everyone in anything, because there's people that don't have a chance to uh, to bring it to the table. You know? Sure, sure. So yeah, I, like I think I'd, 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 uh, you know, you want to do things to help people that make a difference. Um, but like you said, you, you know, you know, the idea of like, do I donate 
like I feel like this might be just cynical, but I feel like if you donated, say, you know, say you donated a billion dollars to cancer research, how, where does your money actually go? Yeah, no, I would need yeah. to know. Like, I need to know. You know what I mean? Like that. <laughs> I want to write individual like, checks for machines. For yeah, you, you don't know that. How much of this is going to like you know? I, I had know, no idea, Ron. That stuff um, happens. I had no idea how many of those like like Susan B. Komen and all those are like they're they're profit organizations. Like you read the really small print and it's like one percent of the money that goes in mm. goes into cancer research. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you don't I mean, want to hear how, about I'm like, a slap in the face in that. You like donate your time and make these big races yeah. and then find out that people are getting rich off of it. Yeah. Well, some a lot of a lot of stuff is set up, you know, it's a big bureaucratic administration. And there's just so much between the money and the people that it's certain things are, are difficult that way. That's why I guess the point is I would want to concentrate on my local community. Yeah. 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 Like, so I, I think another one that I would want to do is uh, I would want to, I, I mean, you know, I love music and there's actually a bit of a problem. Young people aren't learning to play instruments hmm. anymore. Yeah. Young people aren't buying guitars. Young people aren't learning piano. Young people don't know how to play instruments. Mm -hmm. And uh, like, you know, funding like an, a, mus a musical academy or some sort of, you know, promotion of, of music in the community, like that sort of stuff. I could see myself getting involved with that. And I could see myself, like I said, the dog rescues and the stuff that I, I really, you know, would want to see, you know, maximized around me and you hope that there's a, a ripple effect out from your community instead of like you know we talked about just giving the money to a giant massive thing oh, yeah. where you don't even feel the ripples like yeah you know but if you spend the money in your community you know it, yeah, that's it, always it, been an interesting thing to me it's it's keeping it local um or local to you you know so things are important to you like i would definitely go back to where i went to high school and want to see some things better and you know what i mean like not yeah. necessarily in my literal community i live in now i'd, I'd go to yeah, around like, the high right. schools it's, around me do the you want to see you want to see what where it goes because like i said and before anyone shoots me down on percentages i don't know the exact percentage but just finding right. out that those companies don't i assume when i hand like ron a dollar to give to the homeless guy outside i assume ron walks the dollar out and hands it to him you know, <laughs> right, I'm irritated right, right. when I find out that he hands him a quarter and I'm like, wait, what happened there? He's like, I had to well, walk. It's cold outside. You know, so but yeah, I, I think it's very interesting to see when you when you think, because like you said, if you're not teaching people how to take it further, I mean, a billion dollars does run out. So the hope is that if you can, like you said, the music stuff, I mean, that's connected to your brain and, and being smarter and being able to take on other things. Music's highly underrated on how it Im impacts everything else in your life. As you can see, I never played any instruments. It's very obvious. Um, no, <laughs> but you like music. Yes. <laughs> I listen to Ron play you know. music. Does that count? I'm always suspicious of people who aren't music fans. How could you not be? You know, like you meet someone, you're like, hey, what do you listen to? And they're like, ah, a bit everything. They're like, okay, well, that's cool. I listen to a lot of stuff too, but you know, what's your favorite stuff? Ah, I don't know. I don't really have yeah, a favorite. Whatever's thing. on the radio. Like, go. Yeah. Well, what are you listening to right now? Uh, I just like listen to the radio. I'm like, okay, I well, like, had a radio. What's your favorite channel? song? <laughs> like, yeah, it'd be something. One band, you know. Yeah. I just have a hard time with that. 
you just found out who an axe murderer is in your gym. I had time yeah, to yeah, think yeah. about this one now. I would in a, I, I would do a lot of what I'm doing now, but it would look different. Because imagine, like a lot of this is about education, right? And imagine right. what like you could do if you had, I didn't have to do any of the editing, first of all. I didn't. Ha- I could have like a much better setup, right? Like I wouldn't have to think about it. I'd hire somebody to do the setup for me, do all the editing, do all the uploading, all of that. You do like fly people in to do interviews. And then like all the way down to say like we have a guy who's really struggling, like somebody who reaches out and they're like, oh yeah, I, you know, I'm in recovery, but I relapse or I was in recovery, but I relapse. You could literally just reach out to that listener and be like, hey, do you want to go to rehab right now? We'll send you there. You know what I mean? Like you could literally do so much. It could be, this could turn into like, I could do a lot more with this and be able to help Mm -hmm. a lot more people. And I'd probably still coach too, but probably not as many people. And you could be really selective with the people you connected with, like really connected with and just keep it so that it wasn't like a lot of time out of your day. You know what I mean? How big would your audience get if you could pay two people to be on here? So Ron and I weren't on here anymore. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> just like a really good host, and 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 second, you know, Ron and I are gone because you're paying someone. Imagine like we could like if we had like all the best equipment to do the show, and it would still it would be fun, still, right? And like we could all be like, hey, let's go fly to Thailand and meet vigorous Steve next month, and we'll do a yeah, show with him. You know what I mean? This place, yeah, that'd be fun. All over that, yeah, I'm I'm in. In. it'd be fun. <laughs> I mean, let's yeah. go. You know, and that would yeah. be for me too because it would be fun. But you could really focus it to help other. Like, I think at the end of the day, we sure. go help other people, and and yeah. you could continue to push yeah. that. Yeah, you could you could go bigger. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, yeah. good to finish, too. guys. Scott, Local community it. stuff, saving people, helping dogs, going you know? to Thailand. I love yeah. that. going to Thailand. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely putting guitars in the hands of kids. Hey, kid, you don't have anything to do. You don't have any self-esteem? Come here. Yeah. Let's get you get you hooked up. Although Perry you know? Farrell did say that as long as girls, as, what did he say? As long as there's some, that you said, no matter what, rock and roll never die because there's some kid in his garage right now and he's got a guitar and he knows that if he learns how to play this, he can get chicks and his buddy has a drum set. And as long yeah. as that happens, rock and roll will never die. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Totally I absolutely bad. love it. I'm just waiting for the swing back. Everything comes in phases. Yeah. So we'll be all right. We'll be all right. Is that it, guys? That is it. I got to go get a little Caesar's pizza now. Yeah, I'm thinking. I know I had some yesterday, but I'm, I might, <laughs> might look for a little Caesars. Just thanks, one slice. guys. Just one, just one slice. Okay, thanks everybody. Remember, like, share, subscribe, comment, and ring the bell. Remember, I am mutant.com. I am mutant.com. Isosurge, all in. Everyone should get on the gear. Remember to think big bodybuilding media. Patreon for Scott, the producer, and uh, Dusty Twenty. Big Ron 20, save yourself 20% off. Thanks to the last five minute crew for hanging around till the bitter end. And uh, I got to say before we go, love the shirt, Scott. Thank you. Sporting Canada, sporting an armed Canada. True North, strong and free. Yes. I was just, I just cleaned my Glock the other day. Nice. Nice. Because I want to take Emily shooting. Nice. So, yeah. Okay. Thanks, guys. Remember, it's just bodybuilding. All right.
I'll see you guys. Thanks, buddy. I got to eat.